I, I agree. I think that's probably the biggest tip is you like the niches, right? You ever heard the saying, the, um, the riches are in the niches? I have not, but uh, <laughs> that, and, that's and a good. I'm still looking for the riches, but we, we yeah, right. are super, you know, it's, it's we're super show, happy yeah. to be in 400 stores and we're super happy that we're kind of catching on out West. And, uh, oh, we even do a backpack soft cooler too. We, uh, we brought that back for you. Fly fishing guys kept knocking on our door saying, please make it again. So <laughs> that was Jason Costello sharing one big success through his business, Canyon Coolers. The most important piece of camping gear today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. We are doing a big refresh on the Wet Fly Swing Member Society right now. This is where you can connect directly with other listeners of this show including myself, uh, without distractions from that annoying, that annoying social web. Uh, we've got a nice little community in there we're building and would love to connect with you. Uh, you can find out how to uh, actually be a guest on this podcast by checking out uh, the link at wetflyswing.com slash your podcast. You can get more information there. There's a chance uh, if you're interested in that, that's a special feature we offer in there. Uh, tons of new stuff coming each day and interactions, so would love it if you can stop by uh, the members uh, member society and uh, and say hi. If you're already in there, want to thank you in advance for being a member and, and commenting. If you can, uh, hop over there right now and uh, and leave a comment or uh, or just connect with the community. I appreciate uh, appreciate that. Uh, Jason Costello, founder of Canyon Coolers, shares a story of how he created one of the best rotomolded coolers in the world with a focus on the outdoor boating niche. We find out how they are different from uh, Yeti, why they created a this recessed uh, latch and some of their other features, uh, including their handle system, which is actually pretty handy for if you have a boat, uh, and then how to uh, keep your kids from leaving the cooler open. They, got, they even have that covered today. So we dig into a little bit of everything and hear the story from Jason. Um, I have this uh, this weird fascination with camping gear. Uh, who, who's with me out there? Do you, do you, do you feel that? Uh, without further ado, here is Jason Costello from CanyonCoolers.com. We've got uh, Jason Costello from Canyon Coolers on. Uh, how's it going, Jason? It's going great. We got like six inches of snow, so it's a great day to be in the ice chest business. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you, and you're in, uh, you're in Arizona, right? I am, but we're up at 7,000 feet, so we're on something called the Colorado Plateau, and uh, we do tend to get a little snow up here. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a little hidden part of Arizona, but uh, I'll, I'll take it. I've been up here for almost 30 years, so I tell people oh, wow. most almost local. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona seems like it seems like the place. I mean, you get you get the heat, but then you also get the uh, some of the what you have there. You know, it's pretty awesome, right? I mean, what what's your favorite thing about uh, living in Arizona? Well, I tell you what, if I get tired of the weather in Flagstaff, I can just drive any direction for an hour. It's a completely different climate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, then you then you're down in the high desert, and then life's a little bit different. Uh, sometimes yeah. that's good, and sometimes it's hot, but uh, I'll take it. That's right. That's right. Well, let's jump into, I'm sure Arizona is going to come up as we talk about Canyon coolers. Um, you know, you've got one of, probably one of the best coolers on the market uh, right now. And uh, I think I want to dig in and hear the story, how that all came to be. So maybe just start us off, talk about how you found yourself in the, uh, you know, in the cooler business. 
Gosh, I was the accidental entrepreneur. I uh, I had helped uh, finance production for uh, a little cooler company. Um, they were called Galaxy Coolers at the time. And um, I found out that they weren't really functioning too well. And, and I ended up sort of taking it over. Um, it's just, yeah, I found myself with 700 coolers and I had to do something with them. So I built a website and uh, I kind of liked the pro- you know, I love the product, but I kind of liked the business and uh, it started as a hobby and uh, it had a great fit in Flagstaff because they used to build these things here by hand back in the 80s uh, with fiberglass. And, and we still have that mold is still circulating around town. But they used to call it a coffin cooler and they'd, they'd use it for Grand Canyon rafting. Nice. Yeah, that's and that's in the other part of the we've had a few episodes where we've had some Grand Canyon boaters and and uh we had uh martin uh or, well not martin linton you know he's one of the, the the dory guys down there right the old school um so it's cool and and when i think of the grand canyon obviously the heat is one thing you guys got there so having a good cooler that can last for a long trip is important so um i i want to go back to the the, the 700 coolers so those first when you jumped into this galaxy company were those coolers the actual similar type to what you guys have now kind of the what do they call them the pre uh, ro- oh, roto mold they were roto they were rotationally molded and so yeah i would call those gen 1 and we really don't have any of those anymore but they were they were being manufactured primarily in thailand for the australian market so i I brought them in here and then I started fixing them up myself and using different seals and latches. And, and I tried going to different factories here in the U S and they kind of laugh and send me out the door. Cause I, I was just, you know, the, the little guy that they didn't have time for. And, um, so we just kind of kept to it and stayed stubborn and, um, started sort of doing things our way. And that turned into us doing our own tooling and, uh, coming up with our own designs and, now we have uh we're still a small company but we're manufacturing stuff in california and arizona uh, still in thailand and uh you know we we have a pretty complex little supply chain going these days uh so yeah and on the cooler so what year was that when you first got this going uh, oh gosh it it was about 11 years ago at this point we're we've been a lawful business here about 10 so so yeah, okay. I was I was operating out of garage in his classic garage business. That's right. That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. And now, I mean, the cool thing about the candy cooler thing, and I didn't know actually the full background, but in doing a little bit of research, um, you know, it, it feels like to me some of the features you guys have put in and the cooler itself and how long it you know does on keeping ice that you're one of the best companies out there. And there's obviously a bunch of names out there. I mean, Yeti is one name that always comes up and it's a big brand, you know, in the fly fishing space. But there's a whole bunch of other coolers out there. Right. But it, it, it appears to me like you have one of the best. Can you talk about how you took it from this Galaxy cooler and, and now have now you know, a great cooler? Yeah. Now it's Canyon. Well, yeah, absolutely. Most, um, a lot of my competitors are sort of buying generic stuff from, you know, a company that's a country that starts with C over there in Southeast Asia. And and that's, and that is what it is. And we accept that. Um, when I started this, we had like five competitors. I think I probably have 90 now. Oh, wow. Uh, But we've managed to outlast our our competition time again. And I, I think some of it is stubbornness. And, uh, I think we've also just done a good job of finding our own way. Like we, we really do produce our own designs and you don't see that a lot in the industry. 
And, and I think that really helped us. And when we found our niche early, I'm a whitewater guy um, through and through to the bone. And, and so I wanted the perfect whitewater cooler. So we started designing stuff that would ride on your frame rails and tie down easy. And you could have a drain plug that you could get access to. It wouldn't be hidden by a tube. And, uh, you know, we really kind of, you know, no matter what we were trying to design or do, we really brought in um, outside people. I mean, adventurous people that live that life and, and these people just happen to, to work for me. So <laughs> it worked out great. You know, we, we stuck to our passion and we didn't have a quarter million dollar product development fee funds or anything like that. But we uh, we paid attention to people that uh, were really out there you know, having fantastic outdoor adventures and trying to really appeal to what they needed and what they wanted. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's inspiring to hear because, you know, it just shows you that, uh, yeah, you don't need a quarter of a million dollar budget to, uh, to make a great product and, you know, and have a successful company. It sounds like, so you've, you know, you've niched down. I mean, your niche is that, that rafting, or at least it started out as the rafting company and some of the features. So you mentioned a couple of them there, as far as the tie down, that's great. The, the recessed, um, like the locking the latches, right. What else would you throw out there as far as some of your main features on the cooler? Well, I, I think we, our warranty would be another thing. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a no fault warranty. Um, you know, anything short of neglect or theft, we, we basically will fix the cooler if it looks vaguely like ours and uh, <laughs> something bad happens to it. Uh, you know, you flip your ATV over and crack, find a way to crack the lid. We'll, we'll replace the cooler or replace the lid. So we, we really kind of believe in being treated the way we want to be treated. And, nice. Uh, yeah. We don't require people to register the cooler necessarily or anything like that. Um, yep. It's just, you know, try to be the pe people you want to be. And, uh, and hopefully people will respond to that. So we, we follow that along. Uh, we really believe in recessed clean designs. Uh, you know, we're about, you know, out West here, it's the back of a truck that we live out of. So we wanted stuff that was streamlined and didn't catch fly line. But uh, yeah. Okay. So, so basically, yeah, the warranty is a, is a huge part of it. I mean, when you think of the other companies out there, like you said, I mean, just the quality, the obviously keeping ice, you know, from melting for a long time is, is, you know, <laughs> the big feature of all these goods. But can you describe what the, for somebody that doesn't know what this, this road mold or, you know, what this is exactly, because it seems like, you know, you used to have all the, and you still have them, these, the normal coolers, right? The old coolers. And now you have these coolers. Why, why do they insulate ice so well? And how are they compared to the old style? Oh, gotcha. So your old style coolers, the stuff we all grew up with, um, that, that's typically blow molded. And um, it may have seams in it. It may just have air in it. Sometimes there's some insulation in there. But rotationally molded products are a little different. Um, it's a less precise way to make anything, but you get seamless walls. So there's really, there's nothing that's been glued together. There's nothing that's been welded together. The, the double wall is like, it's just kind of how you can do something uh, rotationally. And uh, while it requires a lot of, uh, handwork and hand finishing, um, and they're a little bit crude in terms of fit and finish sometimes, you get this really strong structure, and it's capable of holding really violent foam inside. It. <laughs> huh. um, so, the, yeah, the insulation we're using is a lot like, say, those spray can foams that you might get from the hardware store, that expanding foam. Oh, yeah. So we just use something, you know, a really dense, um, violent version of that. <laughs> 
and we have to put the cooler into a special jig or or as strong as it is it would still try to turn it into a meatball but uh, wow. what you get is yeah you just get this really strong product and you, you can literally park a car on top of these things and huh. they'll stand up to it Wow, so they're super. So not only are they they're insulated, but yeah, they're super durable. I, and I've heard I haven't yes. seen the video, but I heard was there a video out there of you like driving over one of your coolers or something like that? Oh gosh, yeah, we did a bunch of that stuff in the early days, and uh, we used to do it over the Jeep Easter Safaris over in Moab, um, yeah, those kinds of events. And it was always a lot of fun, and uh, I think <laughs> people have seen that enough. We don't do it as much as we used to anyway, but but uh, yeah, it is yeah. a lot of fun. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. So, and, and what, and just for, for the road, can you, how do you spell that? What, just for, if we were to look up more on the background of what that is. Oh, uh, go rotational molding. Would oh, okay. Be rotational probably molding. the way to go. Yeah. What you, what you have is this gimbal. Um, so the molds themselves aren't particularly expensive, but you, you pour your powder into this mold and it basically spins around left to right and up and down. And it's spinning around inside of an oven, and then there's a whole cooling function as well. But oh, I see. It, it's sort of crude, but it's uh, but nothing can really beat it as far as strength goes. Strength and and, and the insulation. So and the insulation, you guys. So and you add that after that process is complete, or is that during that process when you add it's the insulation? Sort of after the process, you'll you'll pull it out of that mold. Uh, maybe let it finish cooling and setting, and there's there's some different tractions and shrinkage you deal with. Uh, and then we put it into a separate um, foaming jig, which is a lot like a mold. We'll foam. And then typically that foam is going in through the bottom of your foot of, of the cooler and then cover that hole with a, a little rubber foot, or uh, you might see a plastic button on the back of like your head or your canyon. And, uh, that'll be the foaming hole. Okay. All right. Perfect. Uh, so yeah, that clar- clarifies a little bit on, on what it's about. Um, and you know, I think we'll dig into a few more of the features as we go here, but I just want to talk, you know, maybe about somebody who's out there, say they have the old cooler, they, they got an old, um, you know, igloo or uh, whatever Coleman or something and they, and they want to get into this market and grab one of these coolers, you know, as far as like choosing a cooler, what, what do you tell somebody if they're coming in, they know nothing about this, how do they know what you know, talk about like sizes or features or anything to, to be thinking about. Well, the most popular sizes are those medium size coolers. So the 55 quart, our outfitter 55 is probably our top seller. And that's a couple people going camping for the weekend. But if you're, you know, if you're living out of a Jeep or a Subaru or maybe something where you, you don't have unlimited amounts of space, you might look at something like a 35 quart cooler as well. So sometimes okay. we want to look at the spaces that you have, how long you want to go out. Do you need 150 beers to get through your week or, <laughs> you know, it's 30 reasonable. <laughs> That's right. Let's talk about that in the, let's talk about it in the 12 ounce, <laughs> the 12 ounce cab variety. So the 55 quart. So how, tell, tell me the difference. How many beers, typically, cause you got to add ice too. And I always think about, that's always the challenge because with the ice, you know, some of the older coolers that I have, um, you know, they're nice because you can actually get full blocks, you know, those blocks of ice, which are nice to use. But I mean, how do you recommend Like talk about the ice thing and, and how, well, first of all, let's go back to the beer. How, how many beers could you get in the 55 w- with ice or how does that work? <laughs> well, I'll tell you a little trick to use, find the true capacity of the cooler you're looking at. And if it's 55 quarts, yeah, you could get 55 beers in and a little bit of ice because you figure each can of beer is not a quart, right? It's maybe yep. two thirds of a quart. So 
I think when I think you look at a 50 quart cooler, I could keep 40 beers cold for a really long time or 55 beers cold for, you know, maybe a long weekend. Gotcha. Um, but that's one little thing that can be helpful. Um, some people don't actually advertise the true capacities of their coolers, so sometimes you have to dig for that information or it's gotcha. misleading. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, do, I do like block ice. Um, and I look for that stuff that's kind of clear myself. And uh, there's definitely different qualities of ice out there. Like your your hotel room ice maker is just, it's it's half melted for you to get it in the bucket. Mm-hmm. So you, you will see some differences. But I do like a little block ice in the bottom. And if I'm putting more than two blocks in or more than one, I'll take the bag off. And they'll kind of melt and fuse together. Oh, nice. One bigger block. Then I'll load everything, and then you can fill in the cracks with some uh, ice cubes. And if you want to go with dry ice, you can. Uh, but uh, just, you know, I, I made the mistake of putting dry ice on top of my lettuce once, and it carbonated my lettuce, which yeah. might not be to everyone's taste. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. OPST's rods represent decades of dedication to sustained anchor two-handed casting. The Pure Skagit series falls right in line with OPST's principles, a short, medium, fast-action rod that sports an extra-sensitive tip, all while maintaining a powerful lower section that's true and sure to leave you impressed by its feather-launching potential. And I've been using this rod for steelhead uh, lately and been blown away by its lightweight and and the power it packs. You almost don't realize it's in your hand. It's Seriously, it's like... Um, it's ultralight. So that was, you know, thinking about how to describe this thing. I think that's the word that comes back to me. Uh, I was casting some big flies for steelhead with a sink tip and a bunch of wind. And I didn't have a problem at all, even with my less than perfect uh, casting technique. So I've been impressed with the 11 foot seven weight, but there is a huge uh, line. They have uh, three different rods in the lineup uh, from six to uh, nine weights and from 10 foot eight inch all the way up to 12 foot three inch, which pretty much for me covers covers it all. So um, I'm excited, excited to dig into more of this. Targeted towards fishing large trout and up to Canadian and Alaskan king salmon, this series should cover all the bases when targeting those larger fish. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash OPST to check out the lineup right now. That's wetflyswing.com slash OPST. Okay, now back to the show. And on your 55 uh, your fifty five court, can you actually put um, blocks? I mean, I guess I might think there's probably different size blocks, but I think of the standard blocks I usually get. You know, will they fit down in the bottom, like, lengthwise, or, or do you have to kind of, you know what I mean, like, size-wise? I guess the 55 is pretty big, right? 55 is a decent size. Um, you know, like a, a 75 quart one might be like a small deer box. Um, I've seen some 55s and 35s in drift boats. Okay. Um, and then, you know, when you get into like your 14 foot rafts, we usually tell people to get our prospectors like 103 quarts. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. Um, and get if you the have big a boy. bigger raft yet, we have this, something called the Navigator, and that's that's for big boy rafting or going out for long periods of time. <laughs> giant, giant stuff. Okay, so you got all the different sizes. We can look on the website for that. So, but basically, for packing it, you recommend, uh, yeah, you pack it with the blocks on the bottom, and then put your stuff in, and then throw on crushed on top of that, and then seal it up, and and you're good to go. That's it. Yeah, and block ice can change from here to there. Um, 
in Arizona, and I don't know if this would be true with like your Colorado fans, but the better block ice seems to almost be a little smaller. It's very hmm. clear to look through. Oh, um, okay. Sometimes they take um, cube ice that hasn't sold and they press it into a block. And those are really cloudy and that's air that's trapped in there. And they're just uh, not going to be as good, but they tend to be a little bigger looking. So, gotcha. Um, yeah, it's, it's good to know what you're looking at because they, they're not going to tell you. So it's just something we've learned over time. Yeah, that's a, that's a good tip too. Okay. So that gets us going there. So basically, yeah, you have to figure out how big of a space obviously you have in your in your boat or whatever you're using, and then just yeah, fill it fill it with uh, whatever size cooler you can you can get. I mean, the bigger it seems like, the bigger the better, right? I mean, why why would you go smaller? I mean, it seems like uh, you know, I right now currently have a you know a drift boat um, that I'm using, but I'm looking at getting a raft, and I'm tr- kind of trying to think, okay, what do I need to to get this geared up and. Um, I mean, do you guys still, as far as your your niche, are you still a, a large percentage people that are in the boating, or are you kind of doing everything now? Well, we we initially pivoted from whitewater into hunting pretty quickly, and the technology was still kind of new and fancy, especially back in like 2016. And uh, we did a lot in the bow hunting world, but I would say um, we definitely probably have the largest market. You know, whitewater rafting and out west is not a huge market, but we we probably have a, a bigger share of that than just about anybody. And uh, it's been good to us, and uh, we'll always stay focused on our roots. Um, but you know, it's with different seasons. We tend to look at a slightly different customer. You know, in the summer you've got everybody, but in the shoulder seasons you really get these sort of seasoned pros that are obsessed with whatever their passion is, whether it be hunting or whitewater rafting. Those guys are looking for coolers in the spring or the fall, and uh, that keeps us going year round, which is which is good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that makes total sense. Obviously, we have a a ton of hunters as well, and bow hunting and and fly fishing especially go go hand in hand. So it's uh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there are plenty of people that know, that are aware of you guys. Um, so what? So what? Anything else to be thinking about? I know some of the features. One thing we didn't talk about the handles. That's a really cool one. How you guys have your uh, kind of recessed handles, so you have a rope handle and an actual handle on the cooler. Um, is that is that a pretty popular feature? Yes, and I think it goes back to our boating route routes, but but the rope handles come in to be pretty nice when you're trying to get a cooler in and out of a boat, where you have different dock heights and things like that. Um, you know, sometimes the, you know, our stiff handle feels good and I don't mean to knock that, but, but that rope handle cause just comes in handy for lowering things or raising things up and, uh, yeah. giving you a little, yeah, a little wiggle room, so to speak. Um, yeah, no, we believe in the tie downs and, and, uh, we also have like tiered baskets in some of our coolers. Oh, yeah. and, uh, so we, we try to take a look at it and come up with, with a nice little twist and really kind of make it ours. There's a million Yeti copies out there and I'm yeah. too dumb or too, too stubborn to, to just go down that road. I, I've got to reinvent my thing. And, That's and, right. Uh, and and we're, we're getting a really nice response from the community and, and we've been really fortunate. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. I'm, I think I'm excited to hopefully dig into a little more into it and, and share. Well, obviously, we're going to be sharing it to, to people on that are listening right now that haven't heard of you. And, and it, it looks different. You know, I think the, the Yeti, it looks, you know, obviously, you've got your own style. There's no question. You know, it's 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 your own thing. So it's uh, it's pretty cool to hear a little bit of the background. It's also uh, it's also bear approved, right? Is that a pretty common thing in these coolers? 
Yes, we do have bear approval across most of our coolers and, um, it's, yeah, it's something we started doing early on and, and it's kind of, it's interesting to go through the bear testing process. It's like, what's the bear into? Well, the bear likes to eat your latches first and foremost. <laughs> and uh, it's chewing gum for that guy. And then he likes nice. to eat the drain plug because it might be some salmon blood or something in the inside of that cooler that's, that's uh, drawing him to it during your testing process. And uh, they'll bat it around and, um, you do uh, one tip for everybody out there is you do have to have a lock on the cooler for it to actually function as a bear proof cooler. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, yep. So keep that in mind, but uh, yep. it, it's an interesting process and it leads us to streamlining things. And it's why you might not see deep handles in the lids to pull things up because the bear wants to get in there with his claws and scalp the top of your cooler. Hmm. Yeah. So we always, that, always have to stay one step ahead. And, and I have to say these grizzlies that they test with, are, that's all they do is break into things. So they're probably a little more adept than your wild, than your typical yeah. average wild bear. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. They could probably, they could probably almost just open the latch with their, with their paw. Right. Just yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like I said, they like to eat them anyway, but uh, <laughs> So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we've kind of touched on a few of the things. Uh, anything else we wanted to, to touch on here just before we move on to uh, the next little section? I mean, did we cover the basics? It sounds like, I mean, obviously the, the time, maybe we just touch on that really quick as far as uh, time uh, that the ice is going to last. Right? I know I, you have some stuff out there that talks about these Grand Canyon trips where, you know, it lasts for like two, three weeks and stuff like that. But what does somebody typically, if they're going to be getting in and out of the cooler, uh, what, what do you tell them when they ask a question like how long does the ice last? Yeah, that's a tricky question. And, you know, you can probably do a lot of things wrong and get five days out of a medium-sized cooler. Um, but you probably can't open it every five minutes, though. So, you know, if the ice retention is important to you, if you do have a longer trip, there's there's some ways you can go about it. You could put drinks in one cooler and food in another, and that might be a good way to, to do it. But, um, yeah, some of our coolers will go up like 27 days, but we don't promise that those are pros that might get into the cooler, you know, uh, only once in a while, you know, maybe first thing in the morning while it's still cool out, they'll, they'll get out what they need for the day and put it into a lesser cooler. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit tricky to answer that question for folks, but yeah, you yeah. can get a week out of medium sized cooler that's prepped well and, and managed well. You know, and if you're if you're gonna put warm beer in there, that or a warm drink, that is kind of a no no. Like a warm six pack could melt almost ten pounds of ice. Oh wow! So, yeah, as neat as these coolers are, they can't defy physics, and, and uh, so we do have to educate folks as well as to yeah. you know, best practices, and we and we try to do that. You know, we're we're patient about that. What are and that is a good reminder. So, where would somebody first? Where would somebody go to get some of those best practices as far as the um, you know knowing about like you can pre cooler write your stuff and your cooler. Do you have a place where like a resource that somebody could read right now? Or funny, you should ask, Dave. Uh, we <laughs> we actually have something called the Ice Academy. If you oh. poke around our if you poke around our website at canyoncoolers.com um, or look for our YouTube channel. Uh, you'll find um, plenty of information there. We also put tips in with the coolers when people buy them so that they have a, a sheet to look at. And um, you're always people are always welcome to reach out via Facebook or Instagram or something like that. We 
we like to talk coolers and ice retention and, um, you know, that's what we do. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that's what you're good at. So, and what is the, uh, you know, as far as the, the pre-cooling, can you just talk about that briefly? Like what, if somebody's, you know, going out, what do you, what do you recommend? Do they stick the cooler in a freezer and freeze it or how, how do they pre-cool it? Well, when we're doing a Grand Canyon run, that's 272 miles. So that, that would be your most extreme event, right? And you, maybe you want to surf steak on day 16, right? So that that does require some planning and, and some forethought and, and having like a, you know, if you're, if you're working with a butcher or something like that for a longer term event, they'll often let you put the cooler in their freezer. You could maybe freeze a couple inches of water in the bottom and that's probably the best, you know, you can, you can go for, um, but for more reasonable purposes, try to pre-cool it a little bit. If your garage is 100 degrees because it's June, you know, realize that insulation is 100 degrees also. So just try to get some ice in there the day before, even if it's just sacrificial. But cool yeah. down that cooler. We'll bring it in the house where it's 70 degrees instead of 94. And, yeah. um, and, and think in terms of that and having everything as cold as possible before you put it in and good, good quality ice. Uh, you'll you'll probably do just fine and do recognize every time you open the lid you're going to change out the air inside the cooler so it's okay to fill the cooler all the way to the top uh, a full cooler will probably keep ice longer than a half empty cooler right right all right so fill it up and and on the in the ice academy do you guys talk about uh, dry ice at all i know i've tried that a little bit and it's been kind of like some good and bad do people is that something that can be good to do you know what? I don't have probably a ton of expert information in there, but I will offer this out there. Uh, dry ice will expand 2,300 times. So um, if you're using it, just be aware. You know, if you're in a closed vehicle and you start to have a headache, you might want to roll down a window or, or oh, wow. something along those lines. Because dry ice is pretty serious stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, you know, we've never had a really bad event or anything we're aware no. of but are, are those grand canyon uh, those those three week trips are they using dry ice no actually um they're not primarily they're not needing them. so it's yeah. uh, there you go but they might they might get into one cooler for one week and then you know one specific cooler might be just for a week three or week two down there um, yeah there's a few different ways you could do it or you could have a one cooler that's produce another one that's meat and another one that you know, might be something else. That's right. Something. That's right. Cool. Yeah. No, and I never really liked, uh, I've used it, but yeah, it always seemed like a hassle. It was like, you know, I think I'd rather just have a good cooler and just do it like we're talking about here. And so the handles, I just want to touch on that. So I know your handles, not only are the, the latches are, are recessed and they're clip, you know, they're in they're they're pretty easy to open. Are they, cause I know some of these handles, these scooters are these rubber and they're really hard to open. Are yours hard? Are they easy or moderate? Oh yeah, we're not a knuckle buster kind of company. You know the the brand Y out there. You know um, really requires you to kind of press your knuckles up against the side of the cooler. Our stuff is still pretty family friendly. So uh, and and take that for what it's worth. Uh, 
that might mean your wife can get in and get a beer that you don't want her to. But <laughs> I was going to say the, the, the challenge is, is that I think of my kids because I've got they're like seven to nine, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's the biggest problem. It's a hot day, and the kids go in there, they leave the cooler. You know, not only there are they in and out, but they leave it open sometimes. It's like, wow, uh, come on, That's it's it. like a hundred degrees, and the cooler's open. So it almost seems like sometimes maybe the knuckle, you know, those hard the harder to open is better for the kids, right? It's, you know, it's a classic dad move. I've got an 11 year old too. It's like, Hey, you're letting all the cold out. Stop it. <laughs> but, um, for better or for worse, you, know, you can put a lock on the cooler, but we everything that we have is a form of a cam action. So you're using leverage and we make, it's really pretty easy to open all of our coolers. And easy to yeah. latch up. That's awesome. And, and when you latch up and, and that's the thing because the the seal you have a, a like a what is it a silicone seal in there that kind of seals up is that how do you get that seal from there because that's a big challenge a lot of these the the kind of crappier coolers are just plastic but you actually have a rubber thing in there yeah the seal is important uh, most folks are uh, our seal is a little different than what you're seeing in the marketplace we use a really fat foam based seal that's extra thick where most folks are using kind of a wiper blade in their premium cooler. And what we've found is this just provides better immediate contact and seal. Um, the other styles, you kind of have to wait for the air to cool down inside the cooler and then it'll suck the lid in. And ours is just much more immediate. Um, but yeah, a good seal is important. If you don't have a good seal, you know, you're not going to get more than two or three days out of that ice. So if there's ever a problem with a cooler, whether it's ours or somebody else's, we tend to look at the seal first. Gotcha. And is that, yeah. Like you said, if there's any problems, you guys have a lifetime warranty, so it's no problem getting a new seal if you have to or whatever. Well, that's it. Yeah. If the dog, if the dog eats your latch, like I I don't want to be bad mouthed over a, you know, a two, five, a $5 latch. We'll just send you a latch. So yeah, we just ask folks to take a picture of it and then they email us at warranty at caningcoolers.com and, and we'll usually get parts out within a day or two. And now let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. With more than 40 years of experience in coffee, the Angler's Coffee team roasts a full range of coffees with one goal in mind, delivering excellent coffee to every single angler. That's why they've released a brand new coffee subscription program made just for you. Just visit anglerscoffee.com, provide your coffee preferences, your mailing address, and how much coffee you drink in a week. And they'll take care of the rest. There's no obligations or hidden fees, just great coffee delivered to your front door. As part of Angler's Conservation Alliance, Angler's Coffee donates a portion of every sale to help conserve and protect our wild natural habitats and fish species. Right now, they're raising money for Soul River, which brings veterans and inner city youth out into the river to teach conservation, fishing skills, and more. Right now, you can get 22% off your next order. Uh, just use the coupon code WETFLYSWING at checkout. Just head over to, uh, that's wetflyswing.com slash anglers and use the coupon code WETFLYSWING at checkout. Okay, now let's get back to the rest of the show. So, I mean, again, going back to this, we've mentioned, uh, you know, some of the other companies out there. But, I mean, for you, you know, you've created, we, I think, verify that this is a, a really great product. And we've had listeners that have noted that as well. But, um, you know, what has been some of the challenges for you getting through this? Obviously, there's some competition there. What do you think has been the biggest challenge mm-hmm. to, to kind of get to where you want to get? Well, you know, the truth is, is um, we're probably undercapitalized. We 
Um, we struggle, I think, with our supply chains at times mm-hmm. and just having what people want when they need it um, has been more of a challenge than ever over the last year or so. All right. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, beyond that, I think we have the best customers on earth and they've been patient and, and uh, we do our best to take care of them. And the number of return customers we get has been fantastic. And really, when, 18% of your customers come back and buy a second or a third thing. Um, it's, it's flattering to us. It lets us know we're doing a good job. And, and we really kind of seek out that feedback and it try, keeps us on our toes. Um, but yeah, the challenge is um, that naivety with a business is, is like, hey, I did something. Somebody gave me a couple bucks. I, I'm going to grow this and, I'm, and we're going to have a huge company. And, and the reality is, is it, it takes a lot of money to grow. And it can't all just be funded by profits. So you, you really have to um, come at it with a little more sophisticated angle. And I'm not a sophisticated guy. So it's that's been my learning curve. Yeah. Yeah, no, these are yeah some of the same challenges. Probably a lot of companies that are getting into it that... Yeah, just and, and do you guys do a lot of? I mean, I guess on the advertising, do, do you find yourself having to do a lot of that, or do you do more? Is it word of mouth, or how, how did you grow the thing initially? How did you how did you kind of get the word going out there? <laughs> um, I I think the word of mouth has been big for us. I think people people are influenced by their friends that they trust when they say, "Hey, this is a good product," or "This is a good podcast." Like you, you'll check it out, yep. right? And um, so I think that's been super valuable to us. Um, I, I probably wasted money on every form of advertising. We did TV ads on hunting channels and things like that. But we've been, we've just been pretty lucky focusing on trying to get out there digitally and show people a little bit about who we are, what we are. And, uh, when they scratch the surface and do their homework, we, we seem to come up as a viable option. And uh, that's it. Yeah. Take care of your customers and, and hopefully they take care of you and we've been blessed so far. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's, it seems like we get those questions. We have a number of, you know, businesses and small and medium brands that are listening, you know, and it's always kind of like, okay, how do, you know, how, how, what would be one tip you give them to, to help them, you know, kind of grow their, their business? You know, some of them are brand new and, and I think that's it. Just serving your, your customer. I mean, anything else you'd throw out there if you had one tip to give somebody that's maybe well, got a new, new company? <laughs> I think we tried to be everything for everybody. Um, yeah. And that that's just a recipe for failure. I'm not a deep sea ocean fishing cooler company. <laughs> right. I can't pretend to be, I'm a, you know, we're, we're mountain West outdoorsy kind of back of the truck guys. And, and that's yeah. always played well for us. So I think like knowing who you are is, is a, it's a good yeah. thing. <laughs> and that's what you're cool. not. See, and that, and that's what's amazing because as I, as you say that, you know, when you talk about the pack, back of the pickup stuff, you know, all that, I mean, it's resonating with me because I have a pickup, right? I, I'm in the mountain West or, or I'm, I'm in the West and, you know, I love rafting and I mean, all the stuff you guys, and that's what I, I didn't know a lot about you, but when I started watching videos and doing a little bit of research, I was like, wow, this is like the perfect fit. And again, I think of some of those other companies out there that, um, you know, maybe didn't resonate as much with me, right? Because I'm not out there doing salt water as much, although I, I would like to eventually do more of it. So I, I agree. I think that's probably the biggest tip is you like the niches, right? You ever heard the saying, the, um, the riches are in the niches. I have not, but, 
that, and, that's and a good. I'm still looking for the riches, but we, we yeah, are right. super. You know, <laughs> it's, it's we're super job, happy yeah. to be in 400 stores, and we're super happy that we're kind of yeah. catching on at last. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, yeah, we right. even do a backpack soft cooler too. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell we, me about uh, that. We brought that back for you, fly fishing guys. Kept knocking on our door saying, "Please make it again." So oh, cool. <laughs> that's um, right. We, yeah. We've been dabbling with soft coolers for a long time, and, and the trick for us was always just getting the quality control right. And every time we think we found the right design and the right manufacturer and the right everything, it would fail our quality control, and then we would have to wait a whole other year. So we hmm. finally really found a, a neat material. We use this stuff called TPE, and it's stretchy and thick, and it's a lot better for the environment than the old vinyl stuff that's out there. And um, we're using this like life preserver foam inside that does a great job insulating. Uh, so our little soft coolers are actually doing a better job of holding ice than our really small rotable coolers, which is a bit unusual. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. I wanted to, so the soft coolers and I mean, my struggle and I, right now I don't even think I have one currently, but the struggle for me always has been, uh, the zipper on them, right? I, like it's just, some of these have been so hard to zip. You're just like, man, I don't even want to open that thing. It takes so much work. Is that still a struggle for, for some of these companies or for you guys creating a, a nice, easy to use zipper? I think it's just about getting it right. Um, like we, we heard from a lot of brand Y people that their arms were all scratched up from the brutal large zipper they were using. And then the, the other end of the spectrum, you have a zipper that lasts two minutes and breaks. Oh, so yeah. we tried to find a happy meat. We chose something called a number 10 zipper. And it's not as beefy as some, but it's a little easier to use and it's robust enough that it's lasting. Um, and uh, it's waterproof and all the good stuff. So we've, we've been happy with that but it, it takes a while to kind of settle in and go like this is this is the direction we want to go and, and yeah putting you know anybody with any form of zipper that goes outside if you know if you're going to be anywhere near sand or something like that just use some silicone once in a while you'll, you'll be much happier whether it's my cooler or somebody else's cooler it's um, just take care of it a little bit more than you would have wrote a mobile cooler but it, it'll service you really well so, yeah, we were just, I was kind of wondering if you had, um, you know, as we wrap this up here, anything else you want to highlight that we missed or you have coming up in the next six months or, or so? Anything new? Ooh, new, yes. I don't know if I'm ready to announce. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not quite yet. Yeah, yeah. You got some good stuff, though. We could, we could expect because this podcast will probably go out in probably, you know, a couple months and, you know, it'll be out for years to come. So anything else do you want to th think of that person that's going to be listening now two years from now? What would you, what would you want to tell them? Well, we do have a kitchen box we're hoping to have out like an August, September range, oh, wow. maybe a little, maybe a little earlier. Awesome. It yeah. When you look at the marketplace, there's a bunch of $200 junk and then there's like weird $3,000 stuff. <laughs> and so we're trying to find, built a rotomolded kitchen box that would be in that three or $400 that would offer some value to folks. Nice. And that's basically just a, not a cooler, but actually think you could put all your, like a box sort of thing. It is. It'll look like a cooler from the outside, but the lid will be removable. You'll have a great area to store, a, you know, a Coleman stove or partner stove. Or, or, and then underneath of that, there'll be lots of storage area for pots and pans. Oh, nice. It'll be very configurable. Amazing. So you can put in pantry. Yeah, it'll take standard catering pans. Uh, there'll be a leg system, um, and it'll match with our Pro Series coolers and integrate in kind of a modular way. That's it. That's uh, oh man, that'll be that'll be cool to have. Yeah, it's always that's always a struggle. Like right now, I've got 
I've got my cooking, my my river gear all in an action packer, right? It's a, it's kind of a mess. Of, That's it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> be nice to be more. Uh, me too. That's I've I've done the same thing, and uh, yeah, we we think we can help people stay a little more organized and uh, give them something um, they can really you know utilize as part of the cooking process. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Uh, so also, uh, I just want to note, uh, there are some videos out there. I was watching a few of them that talk about comparing like ice, you know, and I'm not sure who all, I'm sure there's tons of them out there, but if somebody wanted to go deeper into just learning about what you guys do or these coolers in general, is there a resource or would you direct them over somewhere specific? I, I would say check out our website and we've got an explore tab there and that'll help you with things like warranty or take you to our ice academy. Yeah. Um, the tips there you can use on any cooler. Obviously, you don't have to necessarily use Canyon, but uh, you know we want to be a part of the community, and, and uh, yeah, I think you guys would find that valuable. Okay, all right, perfect. And uh, a couple of random ones before we get out of here. Um, uh, I noticed you had a uh, so football. Are you a big football fan, or is that your sport of, of choice? It, it's a weakness of mine. I, I I have to admit, right now, I did grow up back east for some of my childhood, and. We grew up being Washington Redskins fans, yep, and uh, that translated when I moved to Arizona. So I've, I'm a big Arizona Cardinals fan, and uh, making fun of the Denver Broncos does come into play on occasion. But yeah, but usually you guys can make more fun of me. That's right, and uh, <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah, it's it's really yeah. So in football, how's it been this year? I actually haven't been keeping up on things or the, with the COVID stuff. Has it been kind of uh, has it worked out? Well, I've been keeping track of the free agency right now. It's really interesting. Uh, the Cardinals are definitely sort of going for broke, and uh, they're trying to put together a playoff team. We'll see if did they did they bring in guys that are too old to play, right. or did they do it just right? Yeah. But, you know, does JJ Watt have a little gas left in the tank? Yeah. We'll see. Gosh, I know. <laughs> so, and how does? Uh... How does what's his name? Actually, we don't talk much about sports here, but I just I, I saw you know obviously the Super Bowl this year. What's his name wins another one. I mean, is that guy? I mean, it's kind of crazy that I mean, is he the greatest or not Roy? You know, I used to really enjoy rooting against uh, New England, yep. but I have to give props to Brady for going to a new team. Uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for a lot of the folks on Tampa Bay because they're old Cardinals coaches oh, wow. and players, <laughs> but. Uh, so I have to give him props for winning one there, yeah. but typically uh, I really can't stand New England. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. Okay. And uh, the, the other random one, uh, so I'm not sure if you're a big uh, music fan, but do you have a, a music a type of music or band or something you, lo- you like to listen to on the river? Oh, gosh. You know, this my claim to fame outside of, of trying to be a coolionaire is um, I went to high school with David Grohl. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Foo Fighter, Mr. Nirvana exactly. himself. Uh, so my music tastes tend to run along, uh, you know, very similar to Mr. Grohl's music. That's cool. Uh, for, That's cool. For good reason. Well, so, so you were actually, were you friends or knew him or talked to him or was he kind of like, a, I'm, I'm guessing he was kind of an, out, <laughs> an outsider. I, I went to, it was a public school, but almost no one dropped out. It was a very good public school and he dropped out and, you know, yeah. he was in my class we had a lot of mutual friends, some of which became like the stage managers and sure. stuff. Uh, I, I was never tight with them. Nope. I mean, I'd love to say I was. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, what, you could see yourself. What, what if you, instead of went into coolers, you were his stage, you know, or you were in the music business? Could you see yourself doing that? I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. Hey, did you start uh, a music I, event? I do miss some live music. Yeah, you had a music. What's yeah, that? You had a music event, right? You started, so you are kind of doing a little bit of it. 
Yes. Yeah, it was fun. It, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like Fat Tire Festival, being that you guys mm-hmm. are a lot of Coloradicals up there. But uh, it was similar to Fat Tire Festival. And it was crazy and fun and lots of costumes and 80s cover bands and hula hoops and, you know, makeup and uh, just uh, a lot of fun. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I'll leave that for the next one and uh, put a link out to that if you guys are you still doing that once COVID? Or are you planning on getting back to that? I did sell out of that one about five years ago. Yeah. I was just too busy with the coolers. It's called uh, Flagstaff Hullabaloo. Okay. But it's a neat little event. It gets about 4,500 people, and uh, I'll show up at that once in a while, and it's still a lot of fun. Perfect. All right, Jason. Well, that's that's a wrap. I'll uh, send everybody to canyoncoolers.com if they have questions. And, uh, yeah, I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing the, some knowledge on coolers. Definitely I'm looking forward to hopefully connecting more and, and maybe getting on the river with, with one of your uh, super coolers there. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate the time. Dave, thank you so much, and, and thank you for the for bringing your listeners in, and, and hopefully I didn't put them all to sleep. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com slash 211. Want to shout out to our members uh, society. If you're a member currently, want to thank you in advance. I appreciate the support. And if you're not, you can head over to wetflyswing.com slash members. And uh, you can actually join, I think, right now for free. You can hop in the door and interact with the community. We've got a few added features uh, in the paid version. So if you're a current member, find out how you can get on this podcast as a guest. And if you want to do that yourself, um, you can check in there. So I appreciate the support again. And uh, as always, if you want to find out about upcoming trips and meetups we have going, especially as we go out of COVID, uh, the Members uh, Society is the place to go. That's it. That's all I have for you. That's a wrap today. I want to thank you for all your support and the listening uh, of this podcast and listening today all the way till the very end. I appreciate you. I appreciate your uh, support again and hope to maybe see you uh, online or maybe on an upcoming meetup or trip. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.